evening time. This is indeed a privilege to be back in the auditorium tonight again, trusting under the leadership of the Holy Spirit to bring to you the message of the Lord as He gives it to me for the upbuilding of His kingdom, for the glory of His church. Is our intention of this meeting tonight. We're happy to see the auditorium packed out the first night. So we just trust that the Lord Jesus will continue to bless us as we go on from night to night in the services of the Lord. Now each afternoon they, they have a service, I believe, here. Each afternoon, is that right for the valley? At the 2 o'clock, 2.30. And it's an instruction meeting. And I believe the best that I understood just a little bit ago, I'm asking the one day during the meeting to go up to the Apache Indian Reservation. I see some of them are in the meeting tonight. I have another service up at the Apache Reservation. I'll never forget the meeting with the Apache. And now we're trying to make a date for that, and they'll see the missionary and so forth at the end from the Indian Reservation to make arrangements for this meeting. Each afternoon and each evening we'll have services here, the Lord willing, until we announce what day it will be that we'll be going up there. Now, we trust that all of your own praying grounds and love the Lord with all your heart. That's the way to be. Now, to the many here, perhaps, are strangers, maybe your first time, how many has never been in one of our meetings? Let's see your hands. Never been in one of our meetings. Just look at the hands. Well, to them who have been in the meetings, we, and with myself, we certainly welcome you to the first service. And now, may the Lord bless you and do something for you, give you the exceedingly, abundantly of His love and grace to you. And now, I was going to begin the meeting to just merely come and have an evangelistic service. I have noticed so much in my meetings going around that the phenomenon, phenomenon of this way of the Holy Spirit moves in the meeting has been very strange to the American people because that there's such a mix-up among the American people. So many different denominations with so many different phases of which way they believe. And they become so indoctrinated with their belief and till they hardly know which way to go. If there ever was a place that really has become a modern Babylon, it's America. I hope that it never touches the shores of Africa or any of those uh, heathen countries. I hope that real, solid, gospel teachers get in there for those people. Well, what causes these things to start up? Hungry, hearted children of God. People hungry and thirsty for God. They see something, and away they go and make an issue out of it. There it is. Separate brotherhood, 
head of the church, but that's America. And I have said since coming back that I would, in the American meetings, to my many tens of thousands of precious friends that I value with all my heart, and some of the loveliest people God has in his kingdom, I consider as my friends in America. Thousands and thousands of them the Lord has given me. And I do appreciate every one of them with all my heart. And then I thought, as you're crossing back and forth across the country, I've noticed that one of the greatest things, difficult, that I have in my meetings, when I'm praying for the sick by the, the gift that the Lord has given me, not to heal the sick. I have no power to heal the sick, and I don't believe there's anyone else that That slave and God alone. The only thing I can do is point you to the finished work of Jesus Christ, who paid for your redemption and your healing at all. I don't believe there's anyone who ever save a person. Someone not long ago said, for the glory of God. Brother Brandon, I got a little girl here that's crippled, and I want you to heal her for the glory of God that I believe in. It just so happened that there was an infidel standing there. I said, what more glory would it be for the little girl to be healed than it would be for a sinner to come to the Lord? I said, here stands a man that's an absolutely an unbeliever, a perfect infidel. You save him, and I'll heal the child. I said, for the glory of God, this little girl will go to heaven if she dies in that day, but that man can't go to heaven in his day. Now, for the glory of God, you save him, not you, girl. There you are. He is all based on the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you were the sinner, you'd come tonight, you couldn't be saved tonight. You would have to accept your salvation that was paid for you 1900 years ago. Jesus saved you when he died. That's what he saved you. But you have to accept it when he knocked at your heart. Then you accept your salvation. You accept Jesus as your personal Savior. He was wounded for your transgressions with instruction while healed. You have to accept him as your healer on the same basis you accept him as your Savior. If that isn't the gospel, I don't know it, friends, of all these years. That's the gospel as clear as I know. If no man can save you, he can only present the word of God to you. That's the only thing he can do. It's God's written word he can present. You act upon what you believe whether it's true or not. And then and divine healing is the very same thing. There's no man can heal you. Even doctors don't claim to heal you. They can remove a cause something that the senses can see or feel, but they can't heal because God's the only one to heal. We haven't got a doctor that can build a tissue. If he could, he could build an arm out like this if it's been cut off. He could, you could cut a place up and go in the doctor's office and you build up the tissue and you come back out perfectly brand new. You go in the doctor's office and broke your arm, he set it together and knit it together and heal it over, come back out a few minutes, your arm be perfectly whole. You can't do that. The doctor can... If you got a place cut, you can store it up. 
He don't play smoke, he can say it, but God doesn't heal. So God is the healer. And God is the Savior. Psalm 103 3 said, I'm the Lord who forgiveth all of thy iniquity and heals all of thy diseases. So it has to come through God. Now we want to approach this, my friend, sanely, reverently, and scripturally. It must come from Scripture. And if it's not in the Scripture, and the meeting is not carried on absolutely biblical and scripturally, then it's wrong. It's just some makeup, mythical, but not real. So it must come scripturally. We must approach it sanely and reverently and faithfully to believe it. Now, in the meeting, uh, as they go on, I, I have noticed that many times people in one room want that I can't get to no more than what I do. It's because of weakness. Now, which physically, um, thank the Lord, is very strong physically. And when it comes to a place of, of uh, preaching, or what I, I guess I could preach three or four services a day and not pay any attention to it. It's for being weak. But one time of a vision will pull the life from Surely Christians can understand that. See, it's not me that does the work. It's you yourself. You're the one who does it. Your faith in God. I just stand as a servant. And then when your faith is built to a place, so it pulls from, pulls God, and God only uses my lips to say to you what He would say. Do you understand? When the woman touched the hem of the master's garment, for she thought in her heart, if I can do that, I'll be made whole. And she slipped off on the yard. And Jesus turned around and said, Who touched me? And the apostles were very much astonished because he said, Everybody's trying to touch me. Touch me. He said, But I perceive that I have gotten weak. Virtues went out from me. Gotten weak. You understand? One person. Gotten weak. And so he began to find where that flow was coming from. And as he looked around, he found the woman. He said, Thy faith has saved thee. Not my power has saved thee, but thy faith in believing what he was. For she said, she believed what he was. Now the one that smacked him in the face when he had a rag around his face, and he hit him on the head and said, Now you're a prophesy. Tell us who hit you. We'll leave you. They felt no virtue going. He felt no virtue going there. It was unbelief. You must believe. He that comes to God must believe that he is. Now you can come to God. How? There's only one mediator. That's Jesus Christ. But the minister is sent to preach the word. And you can hear the minister and come to God through the minister's message. Or the minister is preaching the, the word of God, the Holy Spirit that's in your heart will feed on the word of God. You get what I mean? Now, so therefore, it's not, that's what brings the weakness on. And it's for each and every one. There each night, every day we give out prayer cards, every day a fresh. So everybody can get a prayer card to come. Whether you come in in the meeting or... Whether you, but you must come for the afternoon service for instruction. The prayer card was 
be carried by the person who receives it. Because the person must first come to the meetings and have instructions before they can receive a prayer for in exchange for So the person themselves, not somebody that never heard a meeting, knows nothing about it, come into meetings, they'll never be able to receive healing because they don't know how to do it. You must know how to approach God for healing, like to do of salvation. Then, again, that it isn't a personal contact. The ministry isn't to personally contact. That's one thing that first American people, and from our own ministry, they believe that they must have hands laid on them or something on that man. Because they've been taught that, especially among the full gospel people. The Nazarene tells them all this, Methodist, Baptist, so forth, believes in the anointing of the oil. That's the way they've been taught. So they see something where you have to just look like and live, that's a little option. In the foreign country, one thing in the supernatural, the whole group believes in one of them. Because they're not indoctrinated with different things. They just see it and know it's got to be supernatural. They accept it to be what you say it is. They don't class it nothing else. The Americans have mental telepathy, fortune tellers, mind readers. The Jews, their theology in that day, they said, he's the Elvis the devil, the prince of the best fortune teller in the country, all sorts of that. And that's the way they fail to receive That's the way the American people are failing to receive But to them who really believe and approach it, no matter where you're at in the building, if you approach it regularly, it'll speak to you. That's true. Try it and see if that isn't right. With a full surrendered heart to do the will of God and promise him, if you will, and see what happens. Now, I said I would go across the country. I never get a chance to meet my friends. So just as soon as you meet someone, when the anointing is there, well, there it is again, right to the person. I spent at night time. I finished before night comes. But I thought it was beginning to see Ministers keep telling me, oh, Brother Brandon, don't. But in California, and the Christian businessman, as of the Angeles Temple, I've got to be there a few nights. Then the Christian businessman, God help me, I aim to just preach the gospel on the basis of the shed blood and bring the people up and just pray for them as they pass time. I tried that in my tabernacle a few weeks ago. I was about a hundred and some people that come through the prayer line and pray for us. Sixteen outstanding miracles were performed before the people at the building. See? Just laying on their hands and praying for them. Sixteen, that's polio and crippled arms and twisted and everything was performed. This way, once in a while I'll get a person like that because I just, wherever I feel, I just pull a few people up here and get stuck. May I see a person there, maybe hear something wrong with this one? I can see it, but there's no need to tell them there's not space there for their healing. So I just don't say nothing, just go ahead. Here it is over here, here it is, here it is, here it is. But you, until you see something, if you're pretty sure it's going to be done, sometimes I'll speak to that person and see if now, for that. Upon the basis of that, if the first for healing, faith comes by hearing and hearing of the Word of God. That's first. Then after that, God is set in the church, apostles, prophets, gifts of healing, miracles, speaking with tongues, interpretation of tongues, and all those gifts He has placed in the church for the Otherwise, for the calling together for the edification of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. God has set some teachers, evangelists, prophets, 
working of man, gifts of healing, all those things are for the perfecting of the church. Just like the members call active in your body. Not just the Pentecost, 33 years after the Pentecost when the Christian church is cutting on it. Those things will continue down. Now, come and pray with us. I love you. And I'm here with all my heart to try to help you. Try to help you to make your home a better place to live. To make the community you live in a harder place to do evil and an easier place to do right. That's that. That God can heal you, not just to show his power for healing. He doesn't have to do that. Look at the sunset. You can see his glory. Look at the trees growing. You can see his glory. Listen to these birds saying they don't, they don't sow on you, do they? Do they plant, but they stop feeding them? You can see his glory anywhere. But that your testimony of healing might be to the glory that you might tell someone about it, that they too might believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's what it's called. Now, in this blessed world, talking with Brother Ballard, one of the uh, chairmen, I suppose, of the committee that has the chair, we were talking a little while ago, just before I was coming to the meeting, and I'm going to try to rearrange something for a few nights, and I want you to pray for me. Now, this is the Word of God. I believe every word of it to be the truth. And now, before we, we can open the pages like this, but it takes the Holy Spirit to open the Word to us. Because we're, we're, we're blind in a dark world. And only Christ can do these things for us. So before we approach Him, let us, before we approach His Word, rather, let us approach the author of this Word and ask Him if He'll just open it up to us that we as children can look into it quietly, sanely, and fundamentally. Will you do it while we bow our heads just a moment? Our beloved Savior, we are so happy tonight because we can say from our hearts by the witness of the Word and the Holy Spirit that you are our Savior. For our Spirit bears witness with yours that we are sons and daughters of God. It does not yet appear just what we will be at the final wind-up when this world is no more. But we know that we will have a body like it is, for we are going to see as it is. What a glorious hope and a joy in our hearts. How could we feel bad and believe that? That someday we are going to meet and see such quality. And say at the wedding supper, come out and take his nails, his hand, wipe the tears from our eyes, take away all suffering and sorrow, into the joys of the Lord that has been prepared since the foundation of the world. God, whatever man and woman they might lay hold on and believe it with all their heart. And by believing so, they receive everlasting life. While we ask it in his name. Just for a few moments, I want to read out of the book of Jude, just one chapter, and it's the third verse of this uh, chapter that I wish to read for a scripture reading just now. Beloved, 
exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. May the Lord have his blessings to the reading of his word. I'll just keep it a few moments for this, and you pray with me as God will take the word of God and by the Holy Spirit deliver to every heart just as we have need. Now, Jude here, writing some 30 years after the, the first beginning of the Christian dispensation, the birth of our Lord Jesus, and the beginning as the issue in of the first dispensation, or the Christian dispensation, right? Now, to make that clear, Luke 16, 16 says that the law and prophets were until John and since then the kingdom of heaven has been preached. John preached for six months in ministry, then Jesus was introduced by him, and then he decreased and Jesus increased, as he said. Notice, Jude said here that he gave all diligence to write unto the church that they should earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Now, that would, we want to think that that was our church. Us Methodists would want to think that's our church. We Baptists want to think that that's our church. We Presbyterians want to think that that's our church. We Catholics want to think it's our church. And we Pentecostals want to think it's our church. And everyone wants to think that that's what our church is doing. Now, friends, there's always one logical, sensible, fundamental way to see what that is. Let's go back and find out what kind of faith they had. That if we've got that kind of faith in our church, let's continue for it. That's the truth. That's the way to do it. That's really the scriptural and the only basic way to I know to approach the subject. Now, notice it did not say let us contend for the faith that was delivered to Israel in the wilderness. Let us contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And in order to be a saint, it had to be applied to the Christian dispensation. Because the word saint comes from the word sanctified, the sanctified one. And the sanctification comes through the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 13, 12 and 13 said, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people suffered without the gate. You see, saints then would have to be in the New Testament. Contend for that faith because it was in the dispensation of grace and not in the dispensation of law. Now, then the first one to introduce the message of, of the faith would be our Lord Jesus Christ. John just introduced the Lord Jesus, and Jesus was the product of what God intended. For us to contend for, he was the the whole of the Christian faith laid in Jesus Christ and our faith in Him. Now, if we can only understand what kind of faith He taught, what kind of faith He practiced, then we can see by that if the early church practiced the same thing, then we should earnestly contend for that type of faith. For it's a commission to us to continue. Hold until he comes. Now, the first thing we find that
that when Jesus was born, and we know the story until it comes to the place of his, uh, his great miraculous work that he ended, or when he began to teach after his baptism. And it will notice quickly, closely, that God was in Christ reconciling himself or the world to himself. The Bible said that God himself dwelt in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, the Father dwelleth in me. So if you can find out what God thinks about mankind, you find out what Jesus said about mankind, and you'll know what the Father thinks about him. Even the Father himself on Mount Transfiguration said, this is my beloved Son, hear me him. Don't hear nothing else but him. Now, that, then we'll have to find out uh, what, what God's attitude towards, if we can find out through the life of Jesus Christ, what God's attitude was to the sinner, to the sick, to the prostitute, to the gambler, to the beggar, we can find out what God's permanent attitude is towards the same matters today. For He was God's expression. You believe that? God was expressing His attitude towards His fallen creation through the Lord Jesus Christ. He expressed Himself that way. And now, I think Peter, on the second chapter, very well gives us an example of what to think when he said that, Ye, man of Israel, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by signs and wonders which he did in your midst, which you yourself are with. See, Peter said, Ye, man, ought to have known that this was God's message to the people, for God was with him, giving out his message to the people and proving what his attitude was towards Adam's fallen race. I think Peter explained it good to the church. I think Nicodemus gave a very good description of what the Sanhedrin thought of the Lord Jesus. Nicodemus, the man, the ruler, who came to him by night. Many people laughed because he came by night. But he finally arrived. That's the main thing. You laughed at him as you done as good as he did. He finally arrived there. He came by night and he said to the Lord, Master, we who, who's we? The Jews, the Sanhedrin, we know that our teacher come from God. For no man could do the miracles that you do except God be with you. We know it, but because of prejudice, because of church affiliation, because of superstition, because of lack of spiritual knowledge, they could not accept it. We know that God is a teacher, we know it, comes from God, for no man can do the things that you do except God be with That well describes the attitude of the Sanhedrin to the public. Now, notice, we'll find out what Jesus presented. In the beginning of his ministry, he wasn't a man of great dress. He wasn't a man to make himself conspicuous any different from any other man. He dressed so much like other people he could walk among men and they didn't know who he was. 
So if we were going to look for the Lord Jesus in Phoenix tonight, we could not look to a person that's dressed some different in a clerical way. Amen. He'd be dressed like an ordinary man. Is that right? He just walked among men. We couldn't look for some great theologian and scholar or some great man uh, of honorary degrees and so forth behind his name because he never had one. Look at Nicodemus coming to him. Nicodemus was a scholar coming to a man that had no home. He was an aristocrat coming to a father. He was an old teacher coming to the youth. See the difference? But when he come, he come with an open heart seeking the truth. You come that way. Just come the same way with an open heart seeking truth. Seeking he shall find. Not going be open. Ask and you shall receive. That's it. That's the basis that Jesus said to come on. Now, Jesus, when he was sharing, he was a humble, ordinary man. Not so much as a raised, great, fiery preacher. He said his voice was not even heard in the street. He was just an ordinary man, but there was something about him that people realized that those things, qualities that was in him, was beyond the ordinary man. They knew it was. Well, if they, and I've just said that he was God's example for all Christians. And he was God's desire. He was God's gift. And frankly, in himself, he was God himself, presenting the faith to the people. Now, we've seen, oh, I just love this part here, so what what he done? What did he do that was different? We know it. And the first beginning of his ministry, when he first started out, there was a man by the name of Philip got converted. So he goes out and finds Nathaniel right quick and says, For Nathaniel to come see who I have found, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Well, Nathaniel was aristocratic, upright man, very much of a believer, and he turned around quickly and said, could there be any good thing come out of Nazareth? Oh, friends, you don't understand. Now there's some of you people that just want to go to a big church because it's a big, beautiful building. And wouldn't come to a place regardless of how much you thought God was there, just because it's a bunch of poor, bunch of illiterate people. Let me show you how wrong you are. Did you realize that only true Death and life come? Did you know how corruption comes life? Did you know even your natural life comes out of corruption? Everything you eat is dead substance to bring blood cells. If you eat a steak tonight, a cow dies so you can live. If you eat a potato, the potato, potato dies. If you eat kale beans, it dies. Something has to die to produce life. That's the reason through cold, formal, intellectual faith you can never receive Jesus Christ. You've got to die in order to be born again and live Out of corruption, Philip said, or Nathaniel said, could any 
next thing that could be good is said, come and see. Don't stand off right here and criticize that. Just come over and find out. You come look for yourself. That's the best way to do it. That's Come see for yourself. Very good man. So what happened? Nathaniel being honest hearted, he follows Philip. And when he comes, all so much could be said here, but for the cause of time. Look, when he came and he came up into the line or into the audience, might have been in the prayer line. It might have been out in the audience, out there somewhere. But when Philip walked up, I want to find out now if I can introduce Nathaniel to, to Jesus. And I've seen Nathaniel as mentally thinking. He walked up into the audience, and the first thing you know, Jesus standing there, talking, praying for the sick or whatever he usually, his procedure was. About 80% of his ministry was praying for the sick, so I suppose he might have been praying for the sick. Having a lot of people coming by praying for him. And all at once, I imagine that Nathaniel said, Well, that fellow is just a little different from the ordinary scribe. He doesn't try to dress so fancy. He's just an ordinary looking man. Maybe I like his talk. And when he got to thinking those things, Jesus turned around, looked at him, and said, Behold, Israelite, and whom there is no God. And in other words, in the Christian English version of it today, he would say, Behold, there is a believer who's honest. Well, Nathaniel thought, Now, wait a minute. I just come from over here on the other side of the mountain. Maybe started the day before. Now, Philip, my friend who got converted, come over and told me, Now, here I am standing here, and the man tells me I'm a believer. And I'm a truthful man, which that's right. He said, Rabbi, you mean me? How did you know that? How did you know anything about me? I'm a stranger to you. Now, what was Jesus doing? Introducing to the world what God wants the world to have. The faith that you said you can involve. Well, I can imagine some of them standing out and say, uh huh, he read his mind, that's what he did. He said, How did you know me? Now look how impossible this would be to me. Jesus said, Now he was wondering in his mind, it couldn't have been telepathy. So he was wondering, You might have been over. And Jesus said, Before Bill called you when you were under the tree over there, I saw you. That's it. He said, God is so God, God is the King of Israel. That's heaven. I can imagine the Pharisees saying, now, there he knew that. Now there's a trick in it somewhere. <laughs> there's got to be something there. The man, and finally they drew that they couldn't figure it out because you cannot hear of God. God is to be received by faith. You might read the word through no other word, it will still be lost. You cannot figure out if by faith are you saved, and that true grace, not a word, that any man can go. But quickly, as soon as he's seen the phenomenon, he said, Thou art the Son of God, the believer did, the King of Israel. He said, Because I told you that, you believe? He said, Yes. 
that Daniel will see greater than this. Because he's a believer. Now let's look at him again. That was the faith that Jesus was introducing to the world. Now he did not at one time, by every reason, say to the people, bring me this one here and I'll show you I can heal. He never claimed to be a healer. You can't make the word of God contradict itself. Jesus said, it's not me that doeth the work, it's my Father that dwells in me, he doeth the work. One day he had to go up to Samaria, or to, down to Jericho. Instead of going right straight down to Jericho, he had me to go by the way of Samaria. And when he got up there, he sent the disciples away, being about 11 o'clock, into the city to get some fiddles. And while he was gone, a woman, as we call over here, ill fame, came up to the place to get a jug of water. You'd almost have to go in the audience once to find out what those things really are. So he, she came up to get the water about 11 o'clock in the day. Jesus was sitting over against the wall. Probably sitting there looking down, waiting for her to come. So when the woman comes, that was perhaps fulfilled what the father told him to go back. So he looked over at the woman. He said, bring me a drink. And they had a segregation in that day, a racial, about like we have today. And he said, she said, well, it's not customary for Jews to ask Samaritans such. He said, but if you knew you were talking to, you'd ask me for a drink. And I'd give you water, you don't come here to draw. Well, what if the woman would have waited in that way? But the conversation went on. To my honest opinion, Jesus was trying to contact the woman's spirit. Now, the scriptures plainly said that he perceived their thoughts. Is that right? Not like a psychic reader, that's the devil. And everything the devil's got, he patterned off of God. For God is the creator and the only creator. Dancing that, that first part of God, the devil touched all the things you want to see that the devil got, he counterfeited it off of God. But Jesus speaking to the woman, telling found exactly where the trouble was, then he went back straight to the car and said, go get your husband. She said, I don't have any. said, that's right. You got five. Now this is the woman's reply, I take a demon. Jesus now. The introducer of the faith of the Christian. He said, you had a fire. And the one you have now is not your husband. Supernatural. And she said, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Now, I know Messiah, when he comes, he'll do these things. The very side of the fire. What you call the devil today. Said, I know that when Messiah comes, he'll do these things, tell us all things. But who are you? He said, I need to speak to you. The very time of the Messiah. This Samaritan woman knew that. Said, I know when Messiah comes, that will be the Messiah's time. That he'll do these things. Well then, if Jesus being the Messiah, you believe that? And if he raised from the dead? Is he the same yesterday, today, forever? But why do you do the same thing? See? Said when the Messiah comes, he'll do these 
thing. He said, I don't need it speaks with you. And she ran into the city and said, come see a man who told me everything you ever did. He never told her all the things, he just told her that. But if God could show him that, he could show him all things. That was the Messiah. The little woman had touched the hem of his garment and ran out into the audience. Her faith told that gift of God, what he was God, through his lips. That's the reason, see, when the Father showed him a vision, it didn't make him weak. But when the people say it's pouring through him, that's what made him weak. He said, I perceive that I've gotten weak. And he looked around, seen her, let her know that her blood is yet had stopped, that she was healed, said, by faith has healed me. If that was Jesus saying, and that's the faith that he taught, that should be the same Jesus tonight if he's raised from the dead. If he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, a blind man one time at the walls of Jericho, name of Bartimaeus, he was sitting there, crying, begging. He cried out to Jesus, breath, thousands of people following. How could he hear? Some of them are, away with you, you fortune teller. Away with you, Belzebub, the priest reviling him. And Jesus with the with the sins of the world laying upon his shoulders and his face at the Calvary. Knowing he was going straight to Jerusalem to die for the sins of the world. Pushing through that crowd, some of them are, Hail, Hosanna to the King of Jerusalem. Hosanna, Hosanna, screaming on every side. The priest say, You're crazy! That guy is a witch! He's the energy of the devil. He's a fortune teller. Keep away from such a man. All I have in mind. Old blind Bartimaeus said, who, who, who passes? And he started crying. Now, son of David, have mercy. You think Jesus probably way out in the road there? Could have ever heard that man's cry? Not through all I have in mind. But what did it? His face stopped Jesus dead still in his tracks. Jesus stopped with the same things, in my opinion, that the woman did. Turned around. Said, by his pain has saved thee. But all that burden and concern had the destination of every soul that ever lived come on his shoulders. And he knew it. And he was going to pay the supreme sacrifice. And yet, in all of that pressing on him, the face of a poor, illiterate, blind, ragged, beggar, stopping dead still in his track and receive what he asked for. Not a priest did it believe it, but an illiterate, blind, ragged beggar. That's what did it. Oh, praise God in the highest for such a Savior. That would humiliate himself and calm down in the form of sinful trash and be concerned about the poorest man that can live in the country. He was made poor that through his poverty we may be rich. Oh, man and woman tonight, believe him, be accepted. Now, one day he passed through the pool of Bethesda, St. John 5. 
And the people said that, or the scripture said, well, there's a great multitude. Listen close. Follow me now. Great multitudes of important folk laid there. Now let's see what they look like out of this important folk. What, what's wrong? They were lame, blind, hot, and withered. What a mass of suffering humanity. Just a little while as the woman of touched his garment full of virtue, and here comes the Son of God right through a mass of people like that, perhaps ten times what's set in this building tonight. Waiting for the moving of the water. A mother with a water aid baby, a poor old blind daddy, one crippled up with all the riders, setting in of blind lepers and everything else, twisted, lame, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. And Jesus, God Emmanuel, full of virtue, full of love, full of compassion, moved right through that audience without touching the one. See, friends, you fail to understand between the spiritual and the natural. I've seen men who were theologians to the highest degree and know no more about the spiritual thing than uh, how to know about Egyptian knife. See? They understand spiritual things, but not spiritual things. The Pharisees, very fundamental orthodox, but failed to understand the spiritual things, so they said he was a spiritual. Or devil, that is spiritual. See? Because they seen the phenomenon, and they failed to recognize it, because they were just letters all together, fundamental in doctrine, but nothing in the vindication. Amen. I hope you see it. Notice. Now, those people come by like people today with the love. They talk about love. There's two different kinds of love. A gospel love, filial love. Filial love, a gospel love, and filial love. One is divine and the other is earthly. A gospel love, it would make, if you've seen a man going over, putting his arms around your wife, now, a gospel love would make you shoot that man to the ground and kill him. Because it's human love that you love your wife that way. But a filial love, the love of God, would make you put your arms around him and pray for his all sons and all brothers. Turns you all together around. And that's the way Jesus pulled love and compassion passed through these people with love and compassion. But when we think this poor man laying here, this poor child is to die, this that, that is the uh, uh, gospel love. That's our love. That's our compassion we have. That's humanly speaking. But filial love is to do the will of him that sent Divine love. He passed through that crowd of all twisted and lame, all people went right over there to a man in a little power. Now what Jesus knew, I'm coming back to this in a minute, Jesus knew the man had been there. And he hunted around until he found that man. Wonder why. Looked all through that audience until he found the man. Like he did to the woman. Looked through the fire and the wife touched his garment. When he found the, the man, he said, Well, thou be made holy. He said, Sir, I have no one to cut in the water. I can walk. I'm not crippled. I, I'm alright. But uh, I've got a disease that's been retarded for 38 years. The man never said that, but Jesus knew that. So he said, I've had a, a disease that wasn't
struggle to kill him, but said, when I'm coming through the water, someone can out of me and wait that down before me. Jesus said, rise, take up your bed, and go into the house. He picked up his bed and started off. The Jews found him. They began to question him. Then he brought Jesus in and questioned him. And when he questioned Jesus, listen, what would taste an hour of divine healing service if the mayor of the city was defiling and laying here to be healed, and here stood the, uh, the president of the United States, the governor, congressman, and all that, maybe with cancer or tuberculosis, laying twisted and bound, laying on a cot, and God would come around and heal some poor, illiterate, colored woman or, or boy. See, that's the way God does it. You get what I mean? Go up here on the Apache Reservation to heal you, you don't even know his A, B's, and C's. God doesn't look at human prayer, He looks at the simplicity of faith. There. Jesus said to them, no doubt they said to him, let me see you go down and heal this one. I'll believe you. They said that to him. Come on off the cross and we'll believe you. Put a rag around his face and now, you, you perceive thought. You tell people what's wrong with them and so forth. Put a rag around his head and hit him on the head and says, now tell us who you see. We'll believe that you're a prophet. He never opened his mouth. God don't clown for people. No. It isn't a, a stage show. It's the church of the living God of Almighty. Then notice, Jesus then, as soon as the this was done. He said to them, listen to his words, St. John 5, 19. Very, very often to you, the Son can do nothing in himself, but what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father doeth, he shows the Son. Is that right? Read it when you go home to the fifth chapter of St. John. Jesus said, I can't do nothing in myself. Did he tell the truth? He had to tell the truth. In order to be God, he had to tell the truth. His words were infallible. He said, I can do nothing in myself. Therefore, he didn't heal one person in himself. He said, I, the Father shows me first by vision what to do, then I will do it. Very, very, I say unto you, John 5, 19, the Son can do nothing in himself but what he sees the Father doing. That's just the Son likewise. The Father worketh, and I work at the other two. Now, when Lazarus died, when he was sick, Jesus left the place. He went another day's journey. He said, when he went another day's journey, he just kept going. Very strange, was But then he turned when he seen the time that the Father had told him all about the vision and what was going to happen. He turned around and said, Our friend Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad it wasn't that, but I go with you. And when he come to the grave, look, showing that the Father is showing the Father has sent thee, thou art already. But for thee, I say this, because of thee to stand by. Then he said, Lazarus, come forth. And a man had been dead four days to the one who and walked to get him in. Because the Father had showed him what to do. Now, to save time, that was the faith that was delivered to the saints. Now we see it's the saint's capital. Now, did you deliver it to the thing you said, Brother Brandon, you just talked about Jesus, all right? Jesus said, a little while, and the world will see me no more. 
the world as top, I mean in the world order. The world will see me no more. No more. Yet ye shall see me. I said, sure, I was a disciple. See what I said. Ye shall see me, for I, personal pronoun, for I will be with you, even in you, to the end of the world. Is that right? Please, now there's got to be some world today that won't see it, and there's got to be some needs that will see it. The Bible said in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same. Same in principle. Same in power. Same in love. Same in compassion. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Is that right? Jesus died and rose again, and we believe that he rose from the dead. He isn't dead now, he's a living. We try to make him dead, but he's alive anyhow. He's alive. Now notice, quickly, as we're drawing to a close, Jesus said, the things that I do, the very same things that I do, shall you, even more than this shall you do, for I go to my Father. You say the work is greater. Look at, look up and see what it is. It's more. How could you do greater? It's more of it because he can be all in every church everywhere. More than this shall you do, for I go to my Father. Is that right? He was ascended up to God before he descended again in the form of the Holy Ghost. He was going to make the atonement, then return in the form of the Holy Spirit. And he said, A little while in the world won't see me no more, yet you will see me, for I'll be with you even in you to the end of the world. Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever. He gave that commission to his church. Now let's see what the church did about it. Peter, or the key man, when he was in prison one time, all hopes was gone, bound in shackles, a pure of fire. An angel of light came in the building and loosed the shackles off of Peter's feet and hands opened up the door before him and delivered him from the prison. Peter was on the housetop, and a Jew, not wanting to mix with the Gentiles, and God showed him a vision about noontime one day, and told him how to go up to Cornelius because he was praying and waiting for him. Is that the same thing Jesus said? Paul, on his road down to Damascus, was stricken and was blinded in his eyes. And down in Damascus, the gospel was being preached down there, and there was a man by the name of Ananias who had received the Holy Ghost. Some little full gospel pastor down there by the name of Ananias. And he received the Holy Ghost, and he was in his room one day praying, knowing nothing about anything else, and he was a prophet. And the Lord spoke to him and said, Ananias, he said, here I am, Lord. He said, go up to the street called Straight. Give him a vision. He said, go lay your hands upon Saul, that he might receive his sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, Lord, I've heard great things about him, that he, that he threatens the church and rests and so forth. He said, behold, he prayed. That changed it. Here went Ananias up to the street of maybe... 
some old avenue that had hit the sea called State, come down along the city fountain looking around saying, oh, let's see, according to the vision, it was a such and such a house. I have to look at it. There it is right there. Walked right in there, laid a man rolling in there, blinded from being sickened down from the pillar of fire that hung before him, shining like the sun in its brightness. And he said, Brother, saw? Amen. The Lord Jesus appeared to you and all. Don't say I saw. Oh, the Lord had a vision. The Lord told me. There you are. Says to me, come lay hands upon you that you might receive your sight. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ said, say, I got no fellow across the street here for you to lay your hands on him and get inside. He couldn't do it. He only could do it. God showed him to do it. Amen. To lay your hands upon you that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. He laid his hands upon him in obedience to the commission, what God gave him to do, the power of Jesus Christ and the resurrection, and everything God told him happened on the minute. That's the way God does it, yes. That's the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Paul, later on, how many we could call the characters and such things happening with the saints? Paul was out on the little ship. He told them not to lose from Crete, but they went out there in 14 days and night. Every hope that they'd ever be saved was gone. The ship was waterlogged, and there it was, bouncing through the waters. The people screaming they wouldn't eat, knowing that they'd never see their wives and families again. Paul, just as scared as the rest of them, walking by with chains on him, aiming at the old ship to capsize and go over That'll be the end of it. No moon and stars, 14 days and nights. Her pitching back and forth in the storm. No way to hold it or nothing. Little Paul thought perhaps he'd better pray for him. For he's got all the hopes of gone. He was a man. No matter how much he was acquainted with God, all hopes is gone. Paul went out in the book, had somewhere to pray and stay all night. The next morning, this little Jew ran out and said, Be of good cheer. What's happened? For there stood by me this night the angel of God who said I am, saying unto me, Don't fear, Paul. You've got to be brought before Caesar. Lord God, and give all these to stay with you. I die, must this little ship I saw in the vision last night, that it must be broke up on certain shores. Wherefore, brother, he said, Be of a good courage, for I believe God will be done just as he told me about That's the faith that was once delivered to the saints. How long a Christian looked up on a man and perceived his faith and said, The Lord Jesus makes you whole. Yeah. You got that faith in your church? Is that what's operating? Then contend for it. Honestly contend for it. For the faith that was once delivered to the saints. I believe that Jesus is raised from the dead, church. I believe he's alive among us tonight. Do you believe it? And he should just now. And I believe that he will. I can't say he will. My faith lets me believe that he will, and somehow, do tonight the same things he did when he walked the shores of Galilee. That's the faith as far as I know in the Bible. Jesus promised it. Jesus introduced it. Jesus lived it. God produced it through him, out of him. Nothing but what the promise shows. The apostles did the same thing. They come against obstacles and cannot do it. But when God showed them something, they went and done it. That's right. And that is the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Now I want to ask you something now, as a close. 
If our precious beloved Lord Jesus, the Son of God, in his resurrection power, will come into this audience tonight as a living being, in a form of the Holy Spirit, and will do again through you and I the things that he did here on earth, will you accept him as your personal Savior and have no more doubt in your mind? If you will, raise your hand and say, by raising your hand, you need to tell me only one third of you will believe. What's left for you to do but to be condemned? You mean if the Lord Jesus himself, how could you ever be forgiven? Let me say one word. What is the unpardonable sin? To reject truth when it's presented to you. That Hebrews 10 says, if we disbelieve or sin, same thing, sin is unbelief. He didn't believe us not condemned already. If we disbelieve willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin, but a fearful looking for the judgment, the fire of indignation, which shall be our head. Is that right? What was the first told of Jesus? Well, he was doing the very same things that I promised that he, by God's help that he would do sometime while we're seeing Maybe tonight, maybe tomorrow. I don't know. But asking you if he will. And the people come up and misjudge him. And said he does this by the Elzebub. He said, Now whosoever speaks against the Son of Man, that will be forgiven you. But when I'm dead and raised again, and you speak out and take that same truth to the Holy Ghost, you'll never be forgiven in this world and the one to come. Is that the gospel? That's what was presented to the saints. Never forgiven. For unbelief, when the truth is presented, shall we pray. Our Heavenly Father, upon the basis of the shed blood of thy beloved child, the Lord Jesus, upon the witness of the resurrection of his being here, I now come to thee to ask for pardon and mercy for myself and this audience. That through thy divine grace, that you will overlook all of our sins and misleading. Father, knowing that sin is unbelief, and I pray, God, that you'll wipe all unbelief out of our hearts. Father, we realize that we're mortal beings. We're now bowing our face to the death where we were taken from and shall return. And maybe before the sun rises in the morning, that we'll have to stand in your presence to give an account for every idle word and everything that we've done on this earth. Knowing that in a short time, yea, even science says now it's in sight that the end shall come. And one day through Phoenix, before long, and through this earth, there will be one for every idle word and everything that we've done on this earth. Knowing that in a short time, yea, even science says now it's in sight that the end shall come. And one day through Phoenix, before long, and through this earth, there won't be one stone left on another. She'll be blown into pieces by the atomic bomb to fulfill the word of God, which says the whole heavens of earth will be on fire in that day. The atoms of the earth blowing and exploding. Screaming and people reaching for, the, for God. He said, I'll only mock and laugh at the end of calamity. What a time. Hallelujah, God, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll save sinners tonight. And while we have our heads bowed, 
I wonder if there is someone in here who's not a Christian. Just raise your hand and say, I'll raise my hand to God and say, now I accept God bless you, sir. Someone else say, I'll now accept Jesus as my Savior. Would you raise your hand in one of the bottom God bless you, sir. God bless you, lady. God bless you, little girl. I see your hand. God bless you, the little girl, lady back there. I see you also. Someone else say, I now raise my hand and say, Lord, I now believe. God bless you, a young lady back there with your hand up. Again. Someone else, God bless you over here, lady. I see you. God bless you down here. I see you. I now believe. God bless you, sonny boy. Someone else on the bottom floor say, God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. The Holy Spirit is looking on now. See, the truth shall make you free. Jesus said, He that bears my words and believes on him, and he has everlasting life. It shall not come into condemnation, but passion, death, life, because he believes on the Son of God. Someone else raised Now, you may have intellectual faith. You may believe it from the standpoint of the word, but in your heart, in your soul, as the Holy Spirit, every hour of you there, no matter what your mind says, something in your soul believes. If not, then you're outside of God, outside of Christ, dead, alienated from God, dead trespasses and sin, a sinner bound to jail. Would you raise your hand and say, I am now raising my hand, God, want to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. In my heart, something tells me that right now, I'm still. Would you raise your hand? Someone else on the bottom floor. May God bless you, little lady. I see you. Just one more on the bottom floor. Just make your decision just now. Now over to my left in the balcony. Would somebody up there raise your hand to God? Not to me. Just to God. Say, Lord, by raising my hand, I now accept my pardoning by the merits of the Lord Jesus, thy son. I now accept it for my salvation. Would you raise your hand to the left in the balcony? God bless you, sir. I see your hand. The peace of God rests upon you, my Spanish grass. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the name of You can't understand it. It's a mystic. A mystical thing. Until you're born again, then the very life of God comes in you. Everlasting, eternal life. Zoe, God's own life comes in you. And then you're a part of God. You're a son of God. Or a daughter of God. And then you see as God sees. You believe as God believes. Then you'll be a new creature in Christ Jesus. Lord bless you now. I believe now we'll pray for the sick. I want to ask you something, friends. God can do more in one minute to convince people than I could all night preach. I'm going to ask you if you will out there get your children there yet. And please don't go and walk around doing this part of the service. Now if you're an unbeliever, don't stay. Now, if you are a believer, and I remember, for critics or unbelief, I am not responsible. So you'll know. Now, everyone, get you a place, be seated, and then just pray and ask God to help you, and God will bless you, I'm sure. Don't move around. I'll say it later. I haven't time tonight. This is just one night. We can't get everything in in one night. So I just ask you now to be reverent and get and be seated, if you will. Do this for the kingdom of God's sake. Now, 
morning in the building had a prayer card. Raise up your hands. The boy give out prayer cards today. All right. You're sitting right here. Is this reserved for you? All right. The sick in here. All right. All right. He gave out a prayer card. Now on the front will be my picture and a place for your name and address. So the ministers can have it if they want to look you up. And in the back here will be a letter A and a number. And it'll begin from 1 to 100. And let's line some of the people up here to pray for them. Now remember, as I say, I am not telling anyone that I can heal the people. Only your faith in Jesus Christ will heal you. Now, I want, who has the prayer card number one? Let's see, is there number one prayer card there? One, one. Let's see, take the first five. One, two, three, four, five. Would you all come out here? See if you can get up there. If you can't, well, somebody can help you. And if somebody's deaf, or look at somebody, all five doesn't raise up, there's three of them. What is four and five? There's the other two. Would you come over here, ladies? Right over here to my right, if you will. All right, five. One, two, three, four, five. Who has prayer card number six? Raise up your hand. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Let's see them raise up. That'd be five more. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Would you raise up right away? Go on down so we can see where you're at. Stand up so we can see where you are. Six, seven, eight. Where's the other two? Nine and ten. What? Oh, oh you don't. Excuse me, lady. I thought maybe there's all sitting here. All right. Come on. Nine and ten. All right. Would you come over here? One, two, three, four. There's one more missing. Um, anyone with prayer card of six to ten, would you stand up? Look at somebody maybe dancing. Can you hear the number call? Maybe somebody, somebody, would somebody workers or something check these, uh, these two chairs and maybe the people can't get up? Oh, oh, it's there. You have it. Okay, that's fine. All right. All right. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. All right. Now we have prayer card eleven. Would you raise up? 11, 12. We have 12, 13, 14. Prayer card 14, 15. All right, let's see how that is now. Let's wait this minute to start with these, then start praying for these first. We won't have to stand it long then. <coughs> All right, did you have a prayer card called, sir? Come on, I'm
Now do you do that when you believe? Now, let us sing quietly, if you will. Now that's good. Just be real reverent. Be real quiet. Now, my son and my manager here, Mr. Moore, the other sister here, Mr. Brown, and then it's on the platform. They watch. It becomes a subconscious. I do not know what's going on. I can tell it goes into another dimension. We'll explain it after some nights now. What happened? The best we can. We can't explain it. But what happened? You go into another world. And then we want to see you tomorrow night. Everybody be ready. They watch when they think I've got enough. Then they take you from the platform. Now the only thing these are lined up for is just to get the anointing of the Holy Spirit started. Then your faith. See, it comes down here and your faith operates. I don't I have. Now these people in the line. There's not a person there that I know. Frankly, I don't see a person in here that I recognize outside of... I've seen a minister here. I thought a while ago that I knew. I'll be sitting right here if I'm not sure this is the brother that has the tabernacle. Little cop right here, Brother Fuller. Is that right? Brother Fuller. Uh, maybe others that I know, but I can't recognize them at this time. And uh, the only person in here that I really recognize at the time. Right now. Now, they're, they're all strangers to me. Now, if Jesus was standing here with this suit on that he gives me, standing here in person, and you people are sick, could he heal you? No, sir. How can he do what he's already done? Could he save you? No. He'd tell you, I already did that. The work when anything is finished is finished. Is that right? The work, the complete plan of redemption was finished at Calvary. Oh, and you cannot. And no means deal with sin without dealing with sickness. Because sickness is an attribute of sin. So yeah, the work was finished. Now the only thing he can do is send some good inspired preacher to preach the word. If you won't believe that, he might have somebody with the gift of speaking with tongues that he can speak and tell a person. If you go take this thing back or do something or something like that through interpretation, that's the same as prophecy. Or he has a prophetic gift. That he puts in the church that magnifies, lifts him up, and shows to the people. Then you are right where you're sitting. Then you accept that. Then you're healed. See what I mean? Or then you're saved. You know what? So I'll bless you now. As we sing lowly as we will, just once. And everybody be ready now. Only be.
false people who were standing by him. He said, bring a minstrel. And they began to play the minstrel and music started. Then Elijah got into the spirit and began to see a vision. It's the same God today. If he loved music then, he loves music now. Same Lord Jesus. The Lord bless you now. For the glory of God. For the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. I take every spirit in my control. For the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in his name, may you step around and quiet and listen to the spirit of God. Now, if the operator, the engineer of these microphones, if you'll set them up just a little bit, for sometimes after it gets started, I have no idea how loud I'm speaking or how long. We just reiterated. Now, this woman being coming up with us now, I suppose that we are strangers to each other, our lady. You and I are strangers to each other. I've never seen you in my life. And I don't know yet, so if, if anything could be done for you, and I could do it, I'd be a brief not to. But the Lord Jesus knows you. He knows me. And you being a woman in me and me, if, if God can come on you and use you for faith, and can put His Spirit on here, on me, to use me to speak to you about it, then we praise God for it. Isn't that right? If it can, of course, if he, if he can anoint me, so he can show me something to help him, well then it's my fault or something, or he doesn't desire to do it. And if he can anoint you, that your faith would cause that to happen, then it's time to be your fault. But if, if, I don't know what you're here for. You know that. But God knows what you're here for. So now, just like the woman at the well, our Lord Jesus talked to her a while. I think with all my heart, he was catching her spirit. Because if you are a human being, the same as I am. And if you're, if it's, uh, uh, whatever it is, if you're burdened, if you're a sin, or if there's something wrong in your life, or if you're sick, or whatever it is, the Lord Jesus can let me know that. And wouldn't that be the same Lord Jesus that raised up, uh, from the dead, the one that is here on the earth. Does the audience believe that? The same Lord Jesus? You're from here in Phoenix? And you, well, there's people here that know you. See? I don't know you. But the Lord Jesus knows you. Now, us being totally strangers to each other, and then may the Lord help you. Now, if you'll go right into the spot and tell me what you're standing there for. Then you will accept him as your, as to give you whatever you want, as you're here for. Is that right? Well, the rest of the audience of God will do that as you see the woman. My hand, I've never seen a woman before in my life. No, nothing of her. Now, would you accept him as your healer and savior and what healer is? Thank you. Now, just talking to you. So it's your spirit and mind. Now, your, your spirit with your faith. In my spirit, with the anointing of the Holy, Holy Spirit, see, does know what is wrong. Now, to the woman, if the audience can still hear me, the woman very conscious that something's going on. Or she knows she's standing in the presence of something between her eyes 
stands up. Light, real, bright, animal-looking light, which is the angel of the Lord. And the woman is conscious that something's going on. And she shared for me to pray for her. And her trouble is a depressed mental condition that's bothering her. She's mentally upset. And she has also been real sick with a case of, it was in her lungs, it was pneumonia. She's had pneumonia. It's been very sick and it's... Uh, Those things were true, ultimately. If that's true, raise your hand. Do you now believe? That voice was speaking and what about my voice? It was my voice, but I wasn't hungry. I do not know what's wrong with the woman. Whatever he said is on the tape down here, and you can read it tomorrow. Whatever he said is true. That's the truth. Now, the one knows that she don't work with the truth or not. She's a witness of that. What was in her life? What drunk? What was the truth, lady? Every word I can say was the truth. And while I was talking or whatever went on there, something struck you, wasn't it? Because it's all right around you. You're you. Is that person appeal? Is 
Yeah, boy, you do. Well, I'll be with you. Your face heals you. You've been something wrong with you inside, down here in the intestinal. But uh, you've had a, I see you going into some kind of a place that uh, with something wide open. It's a hospital. You've been into a hospital. And uh, they are, it's an operation. And they take something from the inside, pulling it out. It's the, it's the intentional colon. They take out and cut. And then I see they're putting something back in its place. It's a, a plastic surgery that they're performing in the colon. And now I see it again. It's twisted around like this. And that's what you hear. Don't say whatever he says. Is that the truth, baby? Because if you raise up your hand, you face the truth. You believe you're in his presence. You know your brother has no way of knowing your name. Down on you that night. Come here this morning. I have a power of life. Yes, I keep coming back again. Oh, my. You are a mother. 
you have a dog, and the dog is doing evil, and you you want prayer for her, she's an alcoholic, and you want prayer for your dog. No thing or therapy wanting something to do. Oh, merciful God, God of heaven, give mercy and peace to this our blessed one, and may the deep desire of our heart, whatever it may be, be granted. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Just believe, have faith, don't die, believe in your will receive, please don't move around. Someday, glorious day, when it's all over, you'll see how to do it. Are we strangers to each other? We've never met each other. Never mind. Well, but Jesus knows he sent you to God. He knows he sent out of God. And perhaps that time before either was born, he knows he's going to eat now. He's an infant God. He knows all things. Predestinated certain things to take place. But even before the world was ever born, before you all things. If God will help me to know what your trouble is, will you be willing to accept what He tells you to do? Now, these strangers know them near one another. They give you a prayer card and your number was called. That's all there is to it. And then, but God knows all about Now, just believe that you're, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and believe me to be His servant. I have nothing I can do to help you. If I can't do nothing, it'll be what I told you about the Lord, that He loves you and wants to do for you. Now, the only thing you can do is do something that will lift your faith up to a place to get what you come for. Isn't that right? There's really not much wrong with you. You're nervous, all upset. That's it, turn God just a moment. It's a, a sea of a desert God and a hill laying back to this side of it. And it's concerning a loved one. It's a daughter. And she, if I'm not mistaken, the hill that I'm looking from is to Tucson, Arizona. And that daughter is very unhappy. And she's suffering with a mental condition. She thinks she's going mad, going wild. She has walked the floor a whole lot. She does a lot of things. She's looking out a window, constantly faces that way, down that way. Those things are true. Now give me the handkerchief you have in your hand. All over the fire, freer of heaven's earth, all over the last few nights, give her a very good gift. Send our blessings to this one man. And I pray that 
Your son, more of a 